Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Andrew Oporto. Andrew's a good friend of mine. He's a comedian out of Toronto. We're on tour right now, so we uh, did a great uh, podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. We're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records, so check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Andrew Oporto. Welcome to another episode of God Yay. Or nay. I'm here with my man, Andrew Oporto. Andrew, thanks for joining me, bro. Hey, buddy. Oh, man. Fucking, uh, so this is, uh, this is my buddy. He's been opening for me, uh, out in Alberta. We've been doing shows fucking all over the place. Uh, you're one of my favorite comics out of Toronto, and it's just, like, nice to have you out here. Uh, how, how you been feeling, uh, how, how you been liking it in Alberta so far? You know what? There's a lot of your set I want to criticize now, because we're... <laughs> <laughs> No, man, it's been a pleasure, like, just to, uh, because you're just a better comic than me, so you, you said to me your, your set's gonna get better as you have to do more time, Mm -hmm. and you're right, as, as I'm doing, like, the 30-minute spots and that, it's, it's helped me grow, and the, the audience in Alberta is better than Ontario. Oh, you think that? Yes. Why is that? They're more relaxed. Ah, yes. They're not as uptight. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, yeah. uh, no, it's like a nice thing to kind of have, uh, I know when we're in like, uh, different cities around, uh, Alberta, we've had like some really good shows and, um, it really feels like you can say whatever the hell you want and just not worry about like people like, you know, just like thinking and whatever shit, you know, that has been nice. I guess like, it's a little bit different too. Like we were in, uh, Fort McMurray and like we were, had a deal with a couple riggers and I remember you were on stage and they called you like, they were like, oh, the gay Toronto comic, which is just like, and we just started joking around with it. Uh, we're just like, big gay Toronto comic, big gay. But like, those, yeah, besides that, the rest of the crowd in Fort Mac was awesome and just wanted to hear jokes. We did Edmonton, Grand Prairie, like all over Calgary and stuff. So it's just been nice, eh? And I think the guys from Fort McMurray didn't mean to be like that. Because before the show, they were saying, oh, we're so excited for you guys. You guys are co- – we love coming out. And then as soon as we got on stage, they're like, gay. <laughs> it was <laughs> – it's because we were, they were drinking their faces off. That's exactly yeah. what it is. But, uh, that's, but it, was, it was still a good show, man. It's been great. No, I'm happy you're enjoying it. And like, yeah, that's the one thing uh, what you were saying. You're doing like long sets and it makes you a better comic. You're doing it every night. You're going up there and you have to do a long set and you have to do different audiences. People sometimes don't get it. Like, cause I know, uh, we have like a mutual friend, uh, Drew, who's a really good comic and he's been doing all these shows like I have for years. So when we were, when you were telling them, like, we're going down to Alberta, he was like, why the hell are you doing that? Like, you have no reason to do it. But like, the truth is, like, doing it just makes you a better comic and like, you know, and, and as, as a comedian, when you're growing, you have to kind of tell yourself, like, when when it's time, like, okay, I need to take a jump. And, like, sometimes a tour like this can help. And even myself, just doing an hour so many nights in a row, I've, like, felt myself, like, getting really more comfortable in my own skin, 
getting really more comfortable with riffing and like just doing a bunch of the new shit I've been working on. So we got to like, it's good for you, you know? Yeah. I've been seeing you get a lot sharper. And I think Drew's point was that he's like, just keep posting videos online, build a following online. And he's not wrong to build a social media following, but then you have to have an hour eventually to tour if you want to. You can't just be a road dog hitting like Grand Prairie yeah. and sending me Winnipeg and whatever. But to do it occasionally is a good muscle to work out. No, and like you have to have it's like the balance, man. I think like especially when we me and you are both into spirituality and stuff like that and so much of spirituality is balance and like when you start learning about it, you realize it's like fuck, we need balance in every part of our life. And it's like when you start learning that and like you realize like balance just makes you so much happier and makes life so much easier. So like even I like you are fucking really good at social media and uh at Andrew Aporto on uh, Instagram and TikTok, check him out. Like it's just really fun to watch. And you've been helping me out with like kind of like learning it. Like uh you made a couple videos with me already. And uh no, it's like that's a new skill I'm gonna have to work on and I'm gonna have to get comfortable with, which I've been trying to do in the last year and I still haven't got to that point, but it's slowly, slowly coming and I can feel it. But that's like a hundred percent part of it is like I need to get a little balance in that part of my uh career right now too. So I do like that a lot, man. Yeah, you can't go full tilt into one thing, I think, especially with comedians. Mm-hmm. And you're right, the balance. Like do some videos, do some touring, you know, do some acting if you can. No, it's nice. Fucking, uh, so we did do a video in uh, Edmonton. Like, we went around interviewing people uh, in uh, Edmonton on White Ave, and we were just asking them about what they think about people from Toronto. We just thought that would be a fun idea. Like, what did you, what did you think about that video? And just, like, what did you learn, like, just going around and just asking random people in Edmonton? I learned that, that maybe it was the area we were in. But most people were so scared to be on camera. Yeah. Compared to Toronto, where they're like, yeah, yeah I'll talk about my, my wife's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no. But yeah, they were kind of like all the, we were trying to get even just some women in the video and they were just scared. And they're, and those young kids, we I think because they're so social media savvy, the younger kids weren't answering honestly they're just like oh we like toronto and calgary's great and we're just like and so finally we got to the bikers and that was the video in the end of these bikers just being like you're a bunch of idiots (laughs) it was cool to see this is a bunch of pussies yeah (laughs) yeah no that was a bunch of toronto pussies big gay toronto comics coming around (laughs) yeah but i think it is uh, it was cool to do because there is that aspect of we think we're the center of the universe in Toronto mm. and there's a lot this country has to offer. And you go to the East coast, the people are beautiful. You go to like here, everyone's been so friendly and it's important to get out mm-hmm. and see your country. Right. Yeah, man. And it's like, uh, like all of your shows have been kicking ass too. And I think like, even like when I took you to Okotoks, which is like, right by where I grew up in High River and like so I had like just a bunch of all my like high school friends and just friends I know from uh High River like growing up and stuff come out to the show and they all fucking fell in love with your set as well so it was just like seeing you get being well received here I was like all right that's nice and it's like yeah I, I like I always come back here and I'm like I do love like where I come from it's a beautiful place very nice and everyone's very educated and uh 
Yeah, and it's learning kind of from Toronto just to not do the Toronto sensibilities of, uh, you know, you're riding the subway and, you know, you got to frame it up for these guys. Because <laughs> it's all the same, but you just got to frame it in a way that they can relate to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. I want to talk a little more, like, uh, let's talk a little bit about, like, your spirituality a little bit. Um, the one thing we were talking about that, like, when you told me like you had a mentor that thing just kind of like I like just piqued my interest I always like loved the idea of having like a mentor someone you can shoot the shit with and someone you who you like really look up to and it kind of helps you and stuff um but like when I found out the story of like how you met your mentor that's where I just kind of like blew my mind and it was just so intriguing um do you mind uh, sharing that with my audience Sure. So he's the best face reader in the world. In the world? Yeah. And you hear face reader and you think, oh, palm reading, tea leaving, tea leaves, but it's based on physiognomy. You know, uh, if you, if you uh, laugh more, you have bigger cheeks. Mm-hmm. Generally means you have more joy of life. But if more open your eyes are, the more open you are to information coming in, the more open-minded you are. The bigger your ears, the better listener you are. These are things that um, are true and you can test these if you want to test them but I, uh, I met him about four years ago and we were out for dinner and my friend introduced me to him and I was just bugging him what do you see in my face what do you see in my face he goes stop smoking weed because you could see it in my eyes um, you can see a lot of sickness in the face I've seen him point out a lot of people's sickness in their yeah. face. and he goes uh, it's going to make you slower on stage your reaction time is going to be slower. Mm. Um, even if you're smoking the next day, you don't smoke. You're going to just going to chip away. Yeah. yeah. So that hit me. And then he goes in when you smoke, weed, you get guilty about smoking anyways. He said, so that's one of the reasons why you should quit. I go, oh, damn, he's right. I do get guilty, you know? Um, and then I kept bugging him and he goes, I'm like, what else do you see? What else do you see? And he's trying to eat a dumpling. He's like, go away. <laughs> and then he goes, your dad cheated on your mom. And I'm like, oh my God. I turn to my buddy. I go, you told him that? My buddy's like, you never told me that. And I'm like, oh damn, how did this guy know? And so I'm sitting there like gobsmacked and he, I keep bugging him. What do you see? What else do you, what else? He's like, no, 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 go away kind of thing. And I keep crying. And then he goes, uh, when your parents were fighting, you're guilty. You didn't defend your mom. And I was like, oh, that one hit, you know? So I, I kind of just sat there and. And then, and then the next morning I'm making eggs and I started crying yeah. and I told him that and he go, he has a very funny, joyous voice. He goes, Oh, that's good, mate. That's good. You cried. That's the first step is letting go of the guilt. Now the, the next step is to do a counseling session with me and I'll give you questions to ask your parents about your upbringing and the divorce they had and the separation. And basically that's what Farasa is. It's you understand features of the face so you can understand yourself live a better life and influence society around you mm-hmm. to be happier and more productive. So he gave me questions to ask my parents to balance the relationship I have. Cause a lot of our misery comes from an unbalanced view of our parents. We favor the mother or we favor the father. Mm. We resent the mother, we resent the father, but no matter what your parents do, you have to love them both equally. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's it. And understanding your what happened to you as a child from an adult's point of view. Yeah. And how hard is that? Like, cause that like for some people that's like very difficult depending on like what kind of parents they had, right? 
Yeah, and culturally, you know, it's different as well. Like Korean, Arab families, it's tougher to ask the questions to your parents because they're seen as, you know, you're more subversive to your parents mm -hmm. than you are in the Western culture, like North America, um, England, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it can be difficult from those cultures to ask those questions, but it's important to see it as as a as an adult. Even like I, I asked my dad, I go, why'd you hit us? as a kid and he goes uh i was depressed i want to kill myself oh, and i go oh shit yeah and so now i'm not seeing it as a kid yeah yeah scared of whatever i'm seeing it as an adult of i don't want to say it's a weak character trait but it is in a way and i can just love him for the fact that he tried his best i know he loves me mm -hmm. but seeing it for what it is mm-hmm and not beholden to your parents. People live a miserable life trying to impress their parents. And they go, they, they, they take careers they don't want to do because their parents want them to be uh, doctors or lawyers. Mm -hmm. But you're under your parents' rule until you're 18. And then after that, you have a freedom to make whatever choices you have. And the important thing is to make choices and detach from what your parents want you to do. Yeah. That's tough too, eh? Like, it's very uh, hard to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like... Uh... It is like, I like how you said the cultural thing, because I like really that resonates with me, like coming from Pakistani culture and Islamic culture, like our family, like it's uh, very different. It is subversive to the family and like uh, the pressure you get, the pressure you get put on, um, like growing up to like what you're supposed to be. It's like you're supposed to listen to the parents and they kind of like are supposed to like almost choose the life for you. And I think that like definitely like... Uh, that leaves a mark on you, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it's very clear that your parents like you and they have the right intention, it can be helpful, but yeah, you should never, uh, you should never le lead a life you don't want to lead. Hey, if you're happy being a lawyer, truly, truly happy doing if your parents suggest you to do and go by all means, mm -hmm. most people, they want to, you should live a life that makes you happy. That's it. Life is about being happy. And it's also about, uh, well, I believe it's more than that. You have a purpose in life to influence society. I do think that makes civilization a better place. Mm -hmm. But you fundamentally, you have to be happy in order to do that. Yeah, I like that. Okay, um, like, and you were talking about this face reading thing. Um, you were saying like he could look at your face and tell that you were uh, dad cheated on your wife, and then or and then like you felt guilty that you never stood up for your mom, like those kind of things. How would he be able to look at your face and see that kind of stuff? That's like um, higher level linkings. You're linking features of the face together to form a portrait of the person. Um, one of them is a lot of the time broken homes, broken families. The jaw is very pronounced on the person. You know these models who have these big jaws? That's mm. a frustration. Um, and, and if there's a break like I have here, mm. that break happens at what age the parents start to fight. Now, it doesn't have to be a divorce. They could live in the same household. You can say, oh, my parents aren't divorced, but there's an emotional separation. Mm -hmm. So that happens. You can see that as a young age, um, and you can see the kind of age that seven years old, they start to fight. So you can see that there's an emotional separation. He can see in my ears, you said how this comes out like this. Mm -hmm. I, it's hard because we're doing an audio podcast. When your ear comes out and... I'll talk about myself. <laughs> you, it, your parents, it's you're blocking sound you don't want to hear as a kid when this part comes out 
wider than this part. Oh, shit. Based on where that comes is what your parents are fighting about. If it's low, it's about intimacy, sort of earthly desire stuff thing. If it's middle, it's practical. Money, these sort of things, the environment around. If it's up, it's higher thought. If they're fighting about philosophy, maybe there are religious differences. So if the parents are fighting, there's you're going to have this, you're going to have that. I have the guilt you can see in the forehead. There's a bump here. No, sorry, on this side. It's gone away. But you okay. see it on people who have a lot of guilt. They have a bump above their eyebrow. And it like kind of the, holds it in. And like, it in. like it's, it's hard to explain in 20 seconds. But no, very, and like I, like, it's like, I found it so cool when you were explaining these, like, kind of like, ideas to me because like and like i fucking like know this too like i used to play poker all the time so i would sit down and like um i used to sit down for hours and hours at a poker table and read people's faces just to see what cards they have and you can see like all of a sudden like little changes in the face but like like you were saying like our face has thousands and thousands of muscles in it and like when when you like have an emotion consistently those muscles like will be like uh, reacting consistently and they'll create an impression in your face mm -hmm. so like uh that's like really interesting like can you like maybe give us an idea of like how you said frustration that kind of like gets into the jaw because you're con constantly clenching a little bit right how about like viciousness or um like uh you're saying happiness you get like in the cheeks because you're smiling a lot so your cheeks end up getting a little bit of a bulge in there yeah and uh you can check it out it's um on online for more like info like roya and they have it's called roya now there's rebranding from farasa to roya okay and you can there's courses you can take and they get into depth about every feature of the face um but with frustration yeah the reason you get that break in the jaw is the child is the reaction to the fighting as they clench their jaw mm -hmm. and they clench down and that creates the bone shift and the muscles getting strong so you'll see the kids will clench on their jaw even people who sleep and they grind their teeth in their sleep that's a frustration mm. a lot of the time it comes from childhood but it could be developed from work being frustrated and you're grinding your teeth or home life you're frustrated and you're grinding your teeth and then you release it in your subconscious when you're sleeping um, but yeah, joy of life is a lot of it's um, in the cheeks, but a lot of it is brightness in the face. A brightness in the face is good, you know. If you'll see, there's sometimes darkness around people's eyes or darkness on the forehead is stress. The blood congeals there, so there might be a darkness on the cheeks or a darkness in the face. You know when people say you're bright-eyed, you're bright-faced? Mm -hmm. That's a part of happiness as well as a clear, bright face. People sometimes will get well the bags under the eyes is from sleeping and going to bed late but above the darkness can be a little bit of like sadness stuff like that mm -hmm. um but even like your face i can look at your face you have a lot of good qualities like your eyebrows are good you're a good decision maker you, you might worry about your decisions but you can make a decision well mm -hmm. um and you're uh you're, you're open-minded you have a brightness to your eyes you're connecting information that you're seeing to what you're processing like the reflection in your eyes is bright um there's uh dullness in the eyes you know people have these dots inside of mental health you know a lot of these serial killers will have a dullness in their eyes yeah i've seen that uh, dullness before you'll get emotional too just based on how your eyes will hook down like that a little bit emotional but it's not a lot you like compliments and that sort of thing and uh you you can uh but we i do too a lot of people who perform it's good for performing yeah, yeah yeah um you're curious in your nose you have a curiosity this little 
breach here. Um, you're not violent. It's a thin nose there. You're generous. I can see your nostrils. That means you're generous with your material possessions. You're very, mm. uh, you're a good listener. Um, yeah, these, these sort of things I can break down when I see your face, you know, that it's a quick snapshot that this guy who's my mentor can break down like 40. He's looking past and he'll be. Yeah, because like you can, like that's so weird how you can like even like kind of see a narrative like of like what happened in your past almost like that's pretty impressive yeah um can you tell us like a little bit about the philosophy like where this came from like why like when did people start uh like where was this developed when did they start like uh reading people's faces it was developed by the bedouins which are a nomadic uh tribe in like north africa palestine um, and they devised the craft, the art, so they can know who they were doing business with. They know who they could trade with. If they see someone's facial features, that's how it started like 2,000 years ago or whatever. Mm. And it's in the Quran. They mentioned Farasa in the Quran, and um, certain kings would have Farasa advisors mm-hmm. that could help them with um, understanding who to trust, who to not. Now, some of the arts have been lost. Books were written that were then lost about it, and there's ebbs and flows. I think the Ottoman Empire might have wanted to get rid of it, thinking it was like not religious. I I, I don't don't quote me on that last part, but it, it went through ebbs and flows, and then the guy who started now, um, uh, Whale Abdul Hamid, he uh, his great uh, grandfather was a face reader, and then taught him and. Uh, he start, he's been doing it since he was like 16. Okay. But he, they do all sorts of stuff in terms of like there's a philosophy around it. He can look at how people are walking the room after people like leave. You can see stuff like that. And it's a lot of like energy stuff. And uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty fascinating, you know. Mm-hmm. But the philosophy of it is pretty much life is in the middle. Happiness lies in the middle, balanced everything. Um understand yourself so you can live a happy life and influence society and yeah honestly it seems like (laughs) like it's not too different than freaking all of the like philosophies kind of thing you know what i'm saying stoics talked about it yeah it's in the bible too and the quran talks about it and it's like that's like very eastern philosophy too Mm -hmm. and i know like even in chinese medicine like a good chinese doctor would be able to look at your face and see like what's going on in your body through like just looking at your face yeah and like he like a good chinese doctor would also see your stresses too in your body or or whatever stresses in your life by looking at your face as well right yeah we were talking about these uh, the chinese doctors the acupuncturists Mm -hmm. i think we're starting to realize that the east um has so much to offer in terms of mental health philosophy and medicine that the west isn't using yeah i think we're going to start to see a huge shift towards all that yeah and like uh oh that's uh you gave me a good idea i'm like i heard there's two different directions i want to go with this but um all right let's talk about like you've met your this mentor like four years ago he really kind of helped you out a bit um you made a bunch of like changes in your life since then you started meditating quite a bit uh you started looking at the world a lot differently and uh you started um stop stop drinking and smoking weed um like what like how like what do you when did these changes happen were they all at once did they just gradually take over and like what were kind of the reasons behind them you know um we'll talk about how uh the change is always slow 
You have to be patient with change. People want, you know, Tony Robbins. I'll snap my fingers and you'll be the new person. It doesn't really work like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to work on things at a time. First, you have to balance the relationship you have with your parents. That's number one, because that will lead to a lot of anxieties in your life, relationship patterns, misery at work, a lot of that. If you don't have a balanced view of your family, you will not be happy. So, um, you start with that and then, you know, the drinking took a while. It took me like, since he said it to the now, to, to quitting, it took like three years. Mm. The weed was a little faster because I was getting paranoid with the weed anyways. But the alcohol was different mostly because if you're on a date with somebody, I found it awkward to have a, you know, a sparkling water or whatever, right? Yeah. So, um... So, but eventually you just go, you just hits you. You go, look, it's not even, I'm not even really enjoying it. And a lot of confidence is having decisions and ideas that you stick to. 100%. To say like, I'm not going to drink. And and I have buddies who go, I'll have one or two drinks. For me, it's like, I just don't. And then that people who I don't know, it's very clear to them that I'm not a drinker as opposed to, oh, I have one drink. Because if one drink was, okay, then have another, then have another. No, 100%. So I just found it easier. And I like how you said that uh, part of confidence is like saying you're going to do something and then doing it. Like, And uh, it's a part of like, uh, it really gets into your subconscious about what kind of person you are. If you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, like subconsciously that gets into your, like into you that like, oh, I'm a person who doesn't do shit he says he's going to do. And like, I'm a guy who lies. I'm a guy who like, that starts kind of getting into your life and that can really like really hurt you it can really like make your uh like it can really affect a lot of your outcomes in your life i found yeah and i think for myself i was a people pleaser mm. so a lot of it was i was like fun andrew out drinking yeah and i was worried if i stopped drinking my friends would be like why would i invite this guy out mm-hmm. but or why would this girl why would a girl think i'm fun but then eventually when you actually become confident which I'm not really, but you know, <laughs> it took me 36 years to kind of get a bit of it. Um, you realize like, who cares? I don't care. If, if a friend doesn't want to be friends with me, it doesn't matter. Or if a girl doesn't want to date me because of my drinking, or even the principles I have. And we talked about them, about like boundaries, respect, about, um, you know, uh, I don't know what else, but you, I, I have values now that I stick to, you know, mm-hmm. if a girl thinks it's weird, I go to church on Sunday, then so be it. And she, then I don't want to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of funny. You found this like uh, middle Eastern, like almost like Muslim background kind of philosophy that kind of got you to go to church on Sundays. Eh? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Whale will always say, cause he had this lady who was a Buddhist mm-hmm. and she was British and he goes, why are you a Buddhist? And she goes, well, I want to, he's like, you're, British, be be Christian. It's like where you're from. It's where your culture is. Try to be just Christian. See how that is. So he's very much like um, he doesn't even. He never even told me to start believing in God. He never said. He, he always happiness is like part of it's having hope. And then you could have hope, and you could just be spiritual. Believe in the universe. You can believe in rocks and horoscopes. You can believe in science. Mm-hmm. You could say, look, science is the ultimate thing I believe in. But believing in a higher power just will give you happiness. So he would stretch and I'd start to just, I, I, from a spiritual perspective, once you start to meditate, once you start to 
read the Bible or the Quran from a philosophical perspective, you start to get things in your life that come into your life. And you go, is this, it seems divine. And I take it as divine. And if I live my life, I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I'm happier thinking about it. So who cares? Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> it kind of reminds me like last night we were doing the show and like, uh, there was this like couple who met at a chapel and like they were just Christian couple and like uh you know they were just enjoying the show and like every comic was coming up and there were so many like atheist comics who were just talking about being depressed and like I remember going up just being like oh you uh this Christian couple must be having a blast just watching a bunch of atheists on antidepressants <laughs> it was just like but like it like I don't know part of it and then I keep going what else you said you go um life has no meaning life has no purpose yeah like oh yeah yeah yeah. what'd you say oh i said it was just like life has no meaning there's no reason to be here and when we die there's nothing like why am i so sad (laughs) exactly exactly but like i and i get that like i don't uh i used to be like an atheist in um university like it, i just kind of lost all my spirituality all my religion everything and it was just like i like you know and i used to like listen to a lot of hitchens like christopher hitchens richard richard dawkins like those kind of guys bill maher like i love those guys and I, I still do i have a lot of respect for them but like um yeah like when you find that then like you don't believe in anything and i found it really fucking like when you get into a depression it can go dark and you really have nothing to hold on to and you don't and like yeah i don't know i found it really bad like and luckily i got into psychedelics which kind of like pushed me like to like no 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 there's something way greater than this and you have to fucking keep that to yourself like all the time like you really should remind yourself that there is something greater than this and it really helps you when when you get into those dark places um and like i I don't know i i felt that with my spirituality now and like wow so when you now go to church and stuff like when like how long has this been going on for and like uh yeah what do you uh what what does it like done for you well i think what you said before before i answer what you said before is right it's like this reminder of yourself whether it's you want to do psychedelics i i don't because i don't want to like I'd be worried about what I see a flying monkey trying to kill me, you know, (laughs) but, um, you're, you're right in the sense that you need these reminders. I think science hasn't refuted the existence of God. In fact, every time they look to explore further, there's more questions to be had. They thought the smallest particle was like an electron until they found out what was, what was the one, the quark that was in between it. And there's even matter in between that. And like, You know, they don't know what's happening with black holes. Like now NASA scientists are saying that we're, there's a possibility of multiple dimensions layered on top of each other. Yeah. You know, re- realistically, I mean, as much as Stephen Hawking wants to say, look, there's, God, there's no God. I don't think there's, there's scientists who believe in God. Oh, 100%. You know, and I think, but it's not even that. It's just, I think it has to be, you know, everything's, you know, balanced between logic and emotion. And logically, I've, you know, thought about it, I think, but emotionally, probably a little bit more so for me, there's things in my life that have happened that are just, you know, I only can explain them with God, Mm. you know, gifts of meeting well, gifts of, you know, being, getting situations, getting things that come into my life, random coincidences that have happened with people with dreams I've had that have actually happened, like, Mm -hmm. 
you know, things that people have said to me that have come true, just stuff that I feel is a, there's a higher power. Um, and, in and to answer your second question, I started going with friends in Toronto in the comedy community. They invited me to church and it, the church I go to, it's called Bloor Central and it's at, um, like around Ossington and Bloor. You don't sit there and sip the blood of Christ and uh, eat the body of heaven or whatever they say. And there's no robes and there's no things. Not that I don't think that's fine, but they literally, we start the session with gratitude. What's everyone grateful for? And then we get into a passage of the Bible that speaks about courage, of strength, of and how that relates to people's life. So it's pretty much discussing philosophy. A lot of the Bible is philosophical. Mm -hmm. And we pray together. Have you ever done a group meditation? The energy is amazing. Yeah. You feel amazing. And so after having that and then having coffee with all these guys, you realize it makes you happy. I, I, I These guys at this church, are they're not wealthy. They're not wealthy. One of the guys is a scrap meddler. And he's happier than my wealthy million-dollar friends. Mm -hmm. I go see my friends who are rich and are atheists, and they're just – drinking and smoking weed and not all of them, but like, and they're complaining about the neighbor's hedge being too high, you know? So it's like, you realize with Farasa that happiness, people, some, there's going to be some guy pumping gas that's going to be happier than most of the CEOs downtown. Mm. If you go to Zanzibar or Cuba, they're happier than people who live in first world countries who are wealthy. Mm. So, I'm kind of rambling, but no, you start no. to tap into what is real with with going to church and with spirituality. Yeah, and like, uh, no, I love that, and like, I can, I like how like a few comics like were going in there, and like they invited you, and like kind of helps you find that like a little bit of community, which is like another part that's so important, and like uh, something I was like, yeah, that's a fucking like really nice thing to have. Yeah, we talked about the community, right? How I mean, now with phones and everything going on, it's a lot of loneliness, a lot of depression. You know, I think Western civilization is really struggling mental health wise. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is because we we've complicated our lives so much with wealth and material possessions. And we've lost our community that it's bringing mis and broken homes as well. But it leads to misery amongst people. And I think if you can try to find the community, that's one of the pieces of the puzzle to happiness. It's freaking, uh, it's essential, I think. And I think it's like something we need to like really start working on. And then like me living in Toronto, which is like most, like the most people in Canada. And like, that's where I struggle to find community. Like when I come back to Calgary, it's like, I even feel my mental health getting better just because I'm like around my parents, around my brother, around all my friends. And it's like every day I'm seeing people who like care about me and like know me well. And like, I, I can like just be myself around them. And it's just like, I feel so much better. And then I go back to Toronto and it's like, I'm a little bit more uh, reserved and like, I got friends there, but I'm like, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't take that like courageous step to like, go and create the relationship because it's like there's no like wait then like wait until somebody calls you kind of thing which I always used to do kind of thing it's like now one of those things like I understand it's like yeah if I want to like be hanging out with different people and like or be around people that like are good for me I need to go and reach out myself it's hard to do that though eh yeah it to is. call and be like let's get together we're not especially in our culture it's not 
it's it's hard to like say, hey man, let's go for a coffee. You feel like you don't want to be rejected or you're bothering someone. Yeah, yeah. You I feel like I'm bothered. They're like, what the fuck is this guy calling me for? Coffee? Get the fuck out of here. Big gay Calvary. <laughs> 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 I fucking um yeah. yeah, like uh even now, like I try not to drink as much, so like what I call people up, like I used to always like be like, Alright, let's just go for a beer kind of thing, it'll be a little bit easier. Cause you're just like, Oh, we're drinking, we all like drinking. Yeah. <laughs> but like now it's like uh yeah, it's just like no, like I don't wanna do that as much anymore. So it's like I wanna like yeah, like call you up and be like, Let's fucking do some writing or something and like, yeah, gotta start looking at that kind of shit that way. Yeah, because the best way you can um, get into a different emotional state is to be around people. That's the little key. When the suicide and stuff, a lot of the suicide happens when people are by themselves mm -hmm. and they're in their thoughts. Yeah. But the problem with the brain is the brain doesn't want to shift. Your brain wants to stay in the same emotional state. And I don't know why, but I think it's to do with like survival or like reptilian brain. But if you can get shift out of that emotional state, and a lot of it's like people will say, oh, I don't want to see anybody today. I just hope I'm not in the mood. But if you force yourself to go see people, you will a thousand percent feel better after. And it's weird. And like you're right, it does uh, it does shift uh, like that emotional state and like just being around somebody. Just like it's funny when you like hear somebody say your name. Like I love that feeling. And it's just such a weird thing. Like you could just be like with some, sometimes you see somebody you haven't seen in a while and then they're just like, Hey, Noor. And you hear your name sent back to you. And you're just like that, just that feeling. You're like, yeah, this guy knows my name. I'm a, I'm a person. This guy knows like I, I, I have been seen like this, that feeling for some reason is like, uh, it's nice, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, I, I do really think people, uh, it, it would be like healthier for people to like, uh, do that. And like, it's like one of those things we kind of got to take a little bit of our own courage and like reach out ourselves sometimes. And sometimes like you're, you doing that is like helping out somebody else because you might reach out to somebody and they're fucking just waiting for somebody to call them. But you know, yeah. um, and I, I like, I'm not, I get it. I, I know how like I've struggled with anxiety a ton in my life. So I know what, what it's like to feel like, Oh fuck. Like I just don't want to leave the house or like that kind of shit. So I'm not minimizing that. I'm just saying like um, everyone should put it in their head that understanding that being around people is probably one of the healthiest things you can do. And um, even if it feels too overwhelming right now, put that in your head because if it's in your head, you'll eventually understand that that's the way out. Yeah, absolutely. You know what the, you know what Whale will do? Like my mentor, when he's in the city, he'll come and stay at our houses. Yeah. And he, and he says that's really important to like stay at people's houses and, and, and wake up in the morning, have coffees together. And that's a huge thing for him is like having dinners together. That's huge, huge for him is just trying to get people together all the time. It's, and, uh, it's crazy. And like yeah. dinner and coffee, like that kind of shit. Like it's funny. Like, and one thing I love about when you talk about whale, why am I saying it right? Well, yeah. well, yeah. Like, um, the one thing you're talking about when you talk about him, it's just like, he talks about enjoying life so much and like the one thing it's like especially when you get into like focusing on your career so much it's just like nah man and that's where the balance comes in enjoy life and you're right like even like if I look at now drinking as something that's a little bit toxic in my life and I don't really want that to be very prevalent 
it's like, okay, but I still love food. I still love coffee. I still love a lot of stuff. So it's like invite people to this shit and like eat with them, drink a coffee with them. And like, even if you have an alcoholic drink with them, that's good. Like fucking be with them and laugh and talk. And like, like that shit is like so good for everybody. It's like, yeah, you're right. And then that connection you make with them, it's insane. Eh? And going for like a hike with somebody. Yeah. All of that stuff. Um, can you tell us what Wales, like, how he talks about to happy, happiness? Like, what his, um, like, because yeah, I know... Oh, was... yeah, yeah, that, that, that recipe for happiness. Yeah, let, well, let me just close the loop on the other thing we just said as well. What's really important for civilization to move forward as well is if someone offers you something, always take it. Mm. So he gives a story where, like, a lady offered him $5,000 or 10000 to buy a car. And he's like, I didn't really need it, but it was important I said yes. We're so in this individualistic culture and, you know, I think it's maybe in Canada, it's a, the, the Protestant sort of um, British work ethic where you don't need anyone's help, you do it yourself, mm -hmm. but it's damaging to society. So he accepted the gift of $10,000 for the car and then he paid her back um, four months later. But the important thing was that he accepted it because then that leaves the door open for giving and it's a circular sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So that means she'll keep offering stuff. And he'll keep receiving and then he'll offer her stuff and she'll receive. Mm. If you say no, people won't ask again. Yeah. So it's like if, if um, someone offers you a coffee and you go to the house, just say yeah. Always say yes. It's good for society if you say yes. And people want to say no, no, they don't want to bother them, but accept it. No, that's a great way to yeah, that's a great way to say it. Like accept a gift and it's like people love that shit, eh? Yeah. Because it's like when someone comes to see, like, you've been so good to me here. You've hooked me up with two houses to stay at. Like, I'm indebted to you for that, but I'm, I'm also trying to make an effort when your friend Jeff, he, he's offering me coffee. I'll take a coffee. He's like, have some eggs in the fridge. I'll take the eggs. I'll take the offers he's giving me, and I'm going to bring him some food too. But that's a really important thing for all of us. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, and like, uh, I even know my buddy, uh, Jeff, who you're like staying with right now, he's a guy who fucking loves to give too. He's always been like one of the guys who gives the most out of my friend group. He's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. So, like, no, that's cool. And like, you're right. That's like such a, that's such a cool thing. I like, I, I like how like you just being with this Wahale guy as your mentor, like, you now, like, uh, have learned a ton about like Eastern culture as well. And like, uh, he talks to a lot of people in Western culture and kind of understands it. So like, I already talked to him the other day and he fucking, uh, like he immediately wanted to go into like my comedy and like kind of wanted to see like how I talk about my culture as a Western person. And he was telling me, it's like most people who come into Western culture, they either get uh, from a, have an Eastern background. They either get really defensive about their background or really protective of, or uh, attacking at it. Uh, that's not the word, but whatever. <laughs> attacking it or de being defensive about it. And like, yeah. it was kind of interesting to like really think about that because like it really got me thinking like how like I see my, uh, how I like kind of see my place in Western culture and like from my background so like it was interesting now that you've like started seeing about like western and eastern cultures like the differences and stuff like what do you uh what do you kind of like uh like about eastern culture that you kind of want to bring into your life dude i think i was just a little bit i want to say racist growing up 
but maybe prejudiced to stuff. I was close-minded. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when like the 9-11 happened and the terrorist attacks, there was a lot of anti-Islam stuff mm-hmm. and you get kind of brainwashed by it. And mm-hmm. then you might have some family members who are like that and you're impressionable as a kid. And, you know, I don't think I had too many Muslim friends growing up or, you know, I didn't really kind of have that growing up. And, to be honest, it's only been recently where I've been really opened up to a lot of different stuff, meeting Whale, meeting his family, traveling to Turkey and being put up by family members. Whale giving me money to travel to Morocco with him. He just gave me money. He's like, pay me back whenever you can. And like you meet all these people and you realize, oh, damn, like we are all the same. The whole idea of like Trump build a wall is like the worst thing ever. Mm. We should be allowing every immigrant that wants to come into Canada to come in here and we should be able to go wherever we want because that's going to advance civilization once we all realize that we're the same and we want to want all the same things, you know, and you, you, you meet so many Muslims that are salt of the earth, like this whole idea that like that a lot of these right wing politicians are painting that these Muslims are bad for European culture and is such bull. Because if you ever travel to a Middle Eastern country and you meet a Muslim, they are the most giving people ever. Take you into their house, feed you. Even how your mom was treating me when I was there, mm-hmm. like making us dinners and everything. Like once you meet these people, they're nicer than North Americans. <laughs> I like them more than Canadians, to be honest. You know, um, well, I shouldn't say that, but yeah, you just understand once you just meet more culture. I think. It opens you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I even answer that or? No, I get that. Like, uh, no, I'm. Uh, I understand that too. How do you feel about growing up in like, uh, like Calgary? Did you feel you have to defend your culture? Did you feel you you kind of resented it in a way or tried to push back on it? I think I pushed back at it on some points and then like defended it on other points. But I realized like there's both of it, both of those that are kind of present in me. And uh, I've seen it in my like stand up too, like sometimes, and or like when I like when people irritate me because like I can get irritated by like really right wing kind of like anti Muslim stuff where I get overly defensive of my culture, and then I can get irritated about like really left wing like fucking um just like really accepting stuff of the culture where it's just like no like there's parts of like religion and dogma and like like toxic parts of culture where you can like actually go and look at it and like you know you like we're muslims you can't fucking just like blame us or like say like don't ever say anything bad about muslims or the culture or anything it's like no we're people we deserve like we deserve criticism as well we can take it we're not like big victims i can't take like criticism and shit like that so like sometimes even the left-wing shit pisses me off where it's just like you know, like, even now, like, uh, Iran is, like, having that hijab ban, like, the revolution and stuff, so it's, like, you know, people should be able to criticize that, and, like, um, yeah, that's not a criticism of all of Islam or Islamic people or anything like that, it's a criticism of a hijab ban, which is just a stupid rule. Yeah, but I also love, too, how all, like, the Western media is jumping on Iran when it's, like, and there's all these protests and riots. There was no protest in Texas for the abortion stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where's the women's rights protest there? They just, you know what, the West hates Iran. No, and, like, that's... And, uh, like, Saudi Arabia is doing stuff, too. Nobody cares. Yeah, 100%. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. Like, that's... There's a definitely a big, big media bias on, like, 
what parts of Islam gets uh, criticized, right? Yeah. Because you never, like, Saudi Arabia, which is just, like, one of the worst human rights violators in the world, how much criticism do you ever see with, of them in the media? And it's just like, yeah, that kind of shit, like, annoys the hell out of me. Also, like, are they the most, like, human rights violations in the world in Saudi Arabia? Um, like... I guess I don't know enough about the world. I, yeah, I like, like, I mean, that's also painted as well from the West, you know. Yeah, stuff. but like, like, man, I, I, like, I know women couldn't drive until like the no, 70s but like, or 80s. I, I'm kind of like looking at what they're doing to Yemen and stuff. Like, they fucking right. starve the people. They like, uh, it's like a genocide and ethnic cleansing. Hmm. Like, that's kind of what I'm looking into. But yeah, are you right? I don't know. I like, I don't know enough about all the crimes every country is committed. So I'm not gonna say is that though worst one in the world because like maybe china or russia or like probably like other countries too that are or out the US. there are the u.s you're correct uh yeah, yeah. but the, the, this is the thing too is right there's a billion muslims yeah yeah so you know that's how i see it too it's like you're gonna get some extremists just like there's a yeah. um, how many catholics are there 500 million or however many and there's going to be extremist catholics who are doing crazy stuff yeah and so like let's just focus not on the groups of people let's yeah. focus on extremists you know, well focus on like extreme ideas it's extreme like ideas, yeah, yeah when you hear an idea of like when you hear an idea of like if you say something bad about the prophet you should like be like you it's an excuse to use violence against you that's a bad idea yeah so like that's a fucking stupid idea and like I believe it's free speech, so it's like, no, you like somebody can say whatever they want about the prophet if they're an asshole. I'm just not going to listen to them, all right? Yeah. That doesn't bother me. Like, I'm not using violence for speech is the fucking dumbest thing. Yeah. Or if you hear someone idea of, like, in a Western culture, like, we need to bring, like, like, this is, like, such an idea believed by, like, the smallest percentage of people. But, like, if there's somebody says, like, well, we need to bring Sharia law to Western culture, it's like, or Islam to West, the Western world, and it's just like, nah, that's a dumb idea. That like, we live in a secular world in the West, and that's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's great. We could definitely use some sort of spirituality. We could definitely use more community and like stuff like that. And those are the kind of ideas I like. But yeah, like I, I really do think like there should there, there should be allowed some criticism to that shit too, right? Criticize bad ideas, not the people. Right, and also I think we should stop trying to change cultures. So if you come to Canada, mm-hmm. you you abide by the cultures yeah. that are there. If you move to Saudi Arabia, you wear the burqa and you and you uh, you practice um, Ramadan. If you're living in the country, mm-hmm. learn the language and do what they do. I mean, do you, I, do you have to go there because you don't want no because you don't respect or like what they do? No, you don't have to go there. But if you are moving there. There yeah. should be like a I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's the other problem too is that we're so especially in the West, the U.S. is always like let's we have to change their culture to democracy, you know, and it's like well, that's never worked. Yeah. Even with Iran, I think they helped put this Shah in the fifties or whatever, which was brutal. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> no, I don't want to get like, too political on your podcast. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Divide whatever. But. No, it's true. Um. All right. Uh, we didn't get into the, the happiness, happiness so right. let's, let's do that. Let's before. do that one. Okay. So basically, the the equation is content, satisfied, and hopeful. Okay. So content with your material possessions. Um, that means 
you know, if, if you, uh, your house, you're happy with your house, your clothes, you're happy with your clothes, um, your salary, you can want more, but you have to be content with what you have, even if you're living in your car. Mm. So the problem comes is if you have a shirt, but you want a Louis Vuitton shirt, then you'll see a lot of wealthy people get into that frame of mind where they want the new Tesla, want the new car. They'll never be happy because they're not happy with what they have. Mm. You can go to Zanzibar and a guy will live in a shack and he's happy. Or you go to Dominican, you'll see these guys living in a shack and they're actually happier than Canadians. Um, satisfied is satisfied emotionally with your emotions and your relationships. That means you are happy with your wife. You're happy with your friends. Um, you are happy with your you know, work. Um, some people will say, well, my boss is a jerk. How do I... How can I be happy with my boss? You just let it go. Hmm. If you get worked up and miserable about your boss, you're going to be miserable. But if you let it go and say, he's a jerk, I don't have to let him bother me, then you'll be happy. It doesn't matter. Hmm. Um, same with your spouse, your partner. You just let, you should be happy with them, you know? And that's a whole other thing. But um, you need to be happy with your relationship and your emotions. Emotionally, that you're doing the right thing in life, that you're on the right path, you have the right purpose. People are not happy with their emotions when they have jobs they hate if you wake up in the morning every day you hate your job you're not going to be happy mm-hmm. you, but conversely you can wake up in the morning and be a um, bricklayer and be happy mm-hmm. um, and then the third thing is hopeful um, hopeful that things will get better so a lot of that a lot of that is having faith you know i believe in god some people believe in uh we we're saying before science and the spirituality or, or the secret and they are hopeful that things will get better that you know maybe we'll go on a vacation in a bit or maybe we'll you and i will tour europe you know this comedy tour or yeah looking forward to things and that doesn't mean you're not people say well you're not present no you're still enjoying life but you are looking forward to things coming yeah no i think hopeful is a great one and like that kind of gives with a satisfied thing like yeah, you can have a shitty boss and like people are like, or you, like they can have a shitty circumstance where you, uh, where people are like, how can I be happy with this shit happening in my life kind of thing? But it's like, no, you have to let it go. But you can be hopeful that it will change. You can be hopeful that you'll be in a better place eventually. But be kind of like, it's, it's, it's a tough concept to get, like some, for some people, I think. And like, I remember being in that situation, trying to be content with what you have when you're not happy with what you have. That that, that can be really a uh, hard thing to wrap your head around if you're um in for some people's like uh, way they look at life. But uh, it, it's it is one of those things to learn to be like content and let things go. Um, it's a very that's why like meditation's beautiful because like when you get into meditation quite a bit and even psychedelics are like this um the more you do it you get to this point where you let go and like you let go of like like emotional blockage in you and like you'll feel like how your body tenses up and then relaxes because you just let it go and energy like kind of releases and it's the same with uh it's the same with uh psychedelics you can be really intense and you're just sitting there like this fucking sucks why did i take this but it's just like, no, let go. And then all of a sudden you go into a nicer place too. It's because you let go and you're like, and like, there's a, there's a thing about, I love that idea. Like trying to be content and satisfied with what you have. And it's, it's hard, but um, if you can let, like let go of that shit and then be hopeful that things will change. It's not, 
because some people will like logically look at that and just be like oh so i'm just gonna like be content with being like in a shit place and like they think it's like a way to like be passive and not do anything about your life but that's not it like no you can definitely take action and be hopeful for a better life and a better situation but that contentness just makes you happy in the present yeah you have to accept the situation it wasn't until i i was so desperate to get to the next level in comedy but now I'm like the happiest I've ever been. I'm far from where I want to be in comedy. It's income level and low income earner. Mm. But I'm happy. I'm happier than most of my friends who have houses and jobs and you know these a lot of money mm. because I understand that. Look, I have everything. That's a lot of the complications we have around material possessions in the West. My friend was saying from the Middle East. He goes, "We don't have the homeless problem you guys have. Someone has no work. They go to their neighbor or their family and they live with them." Mm. They lose their money. It's not a problem. Um, here we're so caught up in this world of money and material possessions that we make ourselves miserable. Look, you and I, we're never going to have a problem with food and shelter. Yeah, it's like that's a weird thing. It's like I know that for a fact. Like I just like I'm never going to ever like have to worry about being homeless just like because like, I live in a great country and I come – I have like great – a great family with me in which I'll be lucky, like, unless if I fucking really fuck things up, but like, no, you know what man, I'm saying? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, exactly. You'll never be in a, in a situation. So why, why, why does it matter? I mean, look, maybe we can't do a five-star hotel in Indonesia for two weeks, mm -hmm. the money for that or world tour or whatever, ride around a Tesla, but who cares? Mm. Who cares? Like people are, are so like, um, there's a difference between joy and happiness. So happiness is long-term. Joy is like, look, we ate lobster rolls for lunch and they'll give us our joy. Yeah. Happiness is like what's going to set you up for long-term success. And that's doing the work, meditation, balancing the relationship with the family, every day being grateful. You know, for me, it's like religion's a part of that. You, and living a life that if it, if it feels bad after you do it, you probably shouldn't do it. Mm. That's pretty much the rule. So if you set yourself up for long-term happiness, you're good. What do you need? Yes, okay, look, I want to have a family. Can I support them now? No. But I have the faith that I will be able to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I bet you you will, like, like you said, like some stuff you can't explain without a higher power or something. And, like, sometimes you're like, where the fuck am I going to find the way to make this work? But then it comes and it works out on its own kind of thing and it was just like yeah that's that faith that's like yeah one of the things i i've had in my own life too where i'm just like fuck how am i gonna make this work with comedy and like now i'm making my like living doing comedy and i don't i'm not really ever like worried about money anymore and that's, that's awesome. like and that came all through like just faith of me fucking going to toronto and trying to figure this shit out and like it happened and like yeah it's amazing, uh, man. yeah and like no thanks for fucking sharing everything buddy uh i got one more question you kind of answered it already but uh it's the question name of the podcast so uh if you want to add anything to it go nuts but andrew oporto god yay or nay didn't you think about this show we did last night when they were talking about like the god stuff and i think norm mcdonald talks about it but the comic was so edgy or not so worried to offend people but when it came to god he was going all off all oh, the pedophiles in the church and all this stuff 
like people in our society don't feel it's like fine to just shit on religion. I find that interesting. Well, um, it's it's hilarious because uh, we were talking about this before too. Like, if in the nineties, if you made fun of religion as a comedian, you were seen as like a risk taker, and you're like, "Holy shit, this guy's so on the edge, and he's taking risk on the stage. Like, how can he go and say those kind of things?" But now in like the twenty twenty two, you say something about or co- uh, about religion. <laughs> No one gives a shit. Like, that's, like, they every comic says it. And, then, like, you're right. Like, they say it without any hesitation, eh? Yeah, they're not. And the crowds are kind of like, it's funny. But I don't, like, care. It's just an interesting observation that, like, this guy was, like, he, he was in, he, he met his wife in the ministry. And then the next thing out of the host's mouth was, like, oh, you know, be pedophiles or whatever. And it's, like, okay, that's, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like if a girl was, like, oh, I work as a server, and he's, like, oh, so you're a whore, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and she's, like, what? You know? I don't know. It's just funny what comics were, will say and whatnot they'll say, and I don't know. It's just – even when I told one of the – I was telling one of the comics last night that I was, like, I went to church and stuff, and she was, like, I saw your set, and you go to church? Just because I'm saying stuff, talking about land acknowledgments and homeless people, and it's, like, so that's – walk in the edge and like i don't know it's just <laughs> funny what we choose is like offensive you know yeah no it's uh it's a very, sorry if i'm extending this you probably no, meant it to be a very like no, just no, quick no, no. quick answer but i don't know you can go as long as you want like, don't uh, you think it's interesting though like what we choose to find offensive in this? oh 100 percent. yeah then like no i i agree, I agree completely but like yeah as a society like uh especially young people have like very little uh belief in religion as an organized thing which like i don't think it's the worst thing but like i i really do feel like some we do need some sort of spirituality and i think like a lot of people are like not in that spot right now i think it's not even like look you don't even need to go to church and pray to god but it's just interesting now that like doing stuff that's like anti righteous anti-values is like champion in our society so it's like cardi b being a prostitute was like oh my she's so brave yeah why is that bravery yeah yeah. you know like it shouldn't be seen as brave okay maybe she had to to earn money and stuff like that that's not how she talks about it though it's like oh she owned her body yeah 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 you know and it's just uh it's just weird and even like you know a lot of comics you'll see like i want to be shocking for the sake of shocking mm-hmm. i want to talk about like having an orgy with my grandma and that's like funny to somebody and i see that's killing yet if you go like why are we doing land acknowledgments after before every show and then that's like oh <gasps> you know? no and like uh the reason and like the way you say it too it's like uh you'd have the one of my like it's such a good joke about land acknowledgments but it's like like land acknowledgements uh, i hope i don't butcher it but it's just like you're saying land acknowledgements are like acknowledging the land that you have no intention of giving back yeah and which is like such a beautiful point and it's like hilarious because like like it's not it's like the weirdest people who get offended by it or like or might think of that as like risky material because like even I've seen like we you did it in front of native people and they were freaking cheering for it. It was just like because they know it's, you're saying something that's so truthful. And the Métis guy was like, "I'm Métis. We got left out of the treaties." He was laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, shit, so it's bro. just like yo, know, it's like talking about real like stuff and like 
that scene is risky, but like, no, I, I get what you're saying. And then something that's just like complete debauchery is like seen as just like, oh, this is like brave shit. Like, yeah. And like, I agree the guy with said that. He wanted to hang himself and he got a massive like applause. Yeah. Then you're just like, yeah, no, some of that stuff, you're just like, all right. <laughs> like, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, not to like shit on anyone's act because every everyone's just trying to be funny and do the right thing. It's just, it's just funny what crowds will choose to support. You know. Yeah, well, it's like it's just uh, it's definitely just a part of our culture. But yeah, like honestly, like having a conversation like this is a good way to just like kind of be like, no, we don't need to like fucking support that, and like we look at this shit a different way, which is like not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Then God, yay or nay? I guess that's the yeah. yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> but uh, man, thanks so much for doing this, Thank buddy. You, um, you're doing your um comedy album, so tell people where they could find you on online, and then uh, you're doing your comedy comedy album, which I'm going to be hosting in a couple weeks in Toronto. So tell them about that as well. Yeah, the album we're going to record it October twenty second at the Corner Comedy Club in Toronto. There's three shows, so 7, 9, and 11. Um, you can go to thecornercomedyclub.com to buy tickets. Or you can go to my Instagram and YouTube. It's at Andrew Oporto. Oporto's O-P-O-R-T-O. All right, I'll put that in the podcast description. Cool. All right, thanks, bro. All right, man, thank you. All right, that was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram. Or check out my website, NewerKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up. And all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often. Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay! Warning!